This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And then there were only 60 minutes remaining in the 2022 Chicago Bears season. It's going to be exciting Sunday, is it not? Nathan Peterman time, Bears fans, how can you not get stoked for that? Thanks for giving me some time today. I'm Dan McNeil with a Week 18 forecast and some other NFL nuggets to share with you today as the Bears get ready to wrap up their season against the Vikings. The Vikings are 12-4 and four. at Bed Rivers this morning. They're laying 7.5 against the Bears. I'm done betting Minnesota as a favorite the rest of this season. Can't do it, Mike Singletary. I may be tempted to play the over in this one. I think the number was at 43 the other day, and you say, why would you play the over with Peterman? That's a good point by you. And the Vikings, really very little motivation going into this thing. Otherwise, they'd be hugely favored. I was surprised the number was as low as it is. It's no Justin Fields, so a lot of Bears fans really not interested. That's been the case much of this season. Uh, at least my read on Chicago fans via social media, telephone calls to sports yak outlets and those who actually host the shows. It was all about fields, say nothing about a front seven that isn't NFL quality, say nothing about an offensive line that has been a hodgepodge this year and continues to be so in this last lap around the track for the Bears, Tevin Jenkins uh, IR'd for the rest of the year. He got hurt this past weekend in the Bears' embarrassing loss to the Lions. And I'll get to the Lions and Packers in a little bit because that's one of the biggest games of the weekend. Playoff hopes are on the line. I want to share with you my thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts' reaction or lack thereof to Jalen Thibodeau, K- yeah, Thibodeau the other day, uh, just absolutely no class in Jeff Saturday's follow-up uh, while he still has an audience, at least when he's standing in front of a microphone as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I expect that to change in the offseason, as I expect three or four at least other changes Head coaching changes. We'll be following that all of next week. Usually it's a New Year's tradition, but the NFL now backing up its seasons later and later um, as we go here. And if it comes down to home field advantage, if the bazaar goes down this weekend and the Bengals and Bills have to reschedule that game, I don't think it's an impossibility for the league to suspend playoff football for one week if that game comes down to meaning something. And I, I I don't know whether it will or won't. And I will get to that story of the week in in just a little bit. It was it was social media at its absolute worst the other night and um, and everything that followed on 
on Tuesday morning and people questioning whether or not it is, um, it's a good thing to support the product anymore because young Damar Hamlin uh, suffered a heart attack after a blow to the chest and almost lost his life. There still are no clear signs several mornings later as to what his recovery will be. And it was uh, just a, a sobering, staggering moment. But um, I, I cannot surrender my passion for this game because players get hurt and players run the risk of of losing their lives. That's That's the reality of it, as big, fast, and strong as these guys were. And it didn't seem like that colossal of a hit on Hamlin, but doesn't matter a blow to the chest and that winds up causing a cardiac event and uh, it was a very scary scene but there are some other playoff swing games this weekend Detroit obviously needing to take care of business against the Packers and then you know if they do well Seattle has got to come up with a way to beat the Rams and they won't know because the Lions and Packers are Sunday night that's how we'll put the bow on the regular season Bears news off the field this week. Uh, I think it was just yesterday. Equinemius St. Brown given a one-year deal for next year for $1.25 million. No surprise. I saw a lot of complaining about this from Bears fans. That's why it's a good idea to close up the laptop these days when people are just raining hatred and spewing vitriol all over even the teams they, they say they love. Look, if they're going to bring back anybody – of these wide receivers, the veterans they brought in to help out with Darnell Mooney and others this year, and that's St. Brown. It's Byron Pringle, the former chief, and uh, the other cat from New England, Nikhil Harry, or is it Harry Nikhil? I'm I'm not sure. St. Brown's the only one who deserves to be brought back, and they're going to take wide receivers in the draft, at least one. They have a ton of picks, and they may even get more if they move that number two. Or should Lovey Smith blow the Texans' tank, and uh, and they wind up coming up a winner this weekend? <laughs> They've got Indianapolis, so it's doable, and they did have that tie with the Colts very early in the season. I think it was opening weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was opening weekend, and the Colts are favored. Indianapolis is favored. Oh, that scares me in this game. Next week, I'm going to uh, take a more in-depth look at at what grades we give to the Bears management team, and with the general manager, I give him a little bit more of a leash than I do the head coach because he had so much roster to overturn. And, you know, he's had one draft and I don't judge a draft until three years after it has been concluded. So it's tough for me to grade him as critically as as I will Matt Eberflus and also Justin Fields. Uh, How much did he progress this year? And I do support sitting him down this week. Yes, for selfish reasons, I would have liked, although I don't think it's really that selfish. I think it's for the betterment of the Bears. If he got more live game reps with a guy who is supposed to be the go-to guy now in Chase Claypool, all of 11 catches, no touchdowns in six games with the Bears, that's something to look for early next season, whether those two can develop a chemistry that is essential for a quarterback and a number one wideout. I don't know if it'll happen. I don't, I don't have a ton of trust 
in Claypool to wind up being the player he was expected to be when he was coming out of college. I think he was overdrafted. And as we've seen with guys who are overdrafted, you know, it, it looks bad all the way around, but you can't continue to live on where a guy was picked. At some point, you have to say, I don't give a shit if he's number one or an early second round pick. The guy's had two years and hasn't done it. And that's why the Steelers were happy to deal him to Ryan Poles for a second round pick last year. Um, Fields this season has been more good than bad, but I do think he has a very long way to go as a passer for anybody to seriously think about this team getting good enough to win a Super Bowl. And it was nice to hear one other voice in the wilderness, the venerable Hub Arkish this week, say, there's nobody who's ever won a Super Bowl. I've been saying that all season since the jaws began to drop on fields as a runner. The next team that wins a Super Bowl predicated on a quarterback whose strength is his running ability, that'll be the first time that happens. Hasn't happened yet, and Fields has so much farther to go as a passer. The Bears this year on the season, this ain't all on him, but they're a minus 21 in points differential. And what's really troublesome is... You have a defensive coach, talent aside. Yeah, they got bad talent, but a great coach, isn't he supposed to make bad to average talent bring their games up a little bit? I think that's part of it. It's scheming, it's adjusting, and it took more than half the season for the Bears to realize their best corner should be a travel with the best wide receiver guy, Jalen Johnson. Uh, the second round, third round pick, uh, second round pick out of Utah a few years ago. It's about time because I get confused now because you got a Jalen Jones. You got these young kids in the Bears secondary, and they did a nice job this year for the most part. I think with three rookies logging tons of snaps wasn't the game plan. You got to be somewhat encouraged by that. It's the only position of strength on the field. The Bears will be trying. Oh, one last note on the points differential. Only two teams are worse in the NFL. Indianapolis, the worst this year, minus 137. The Texans are next at minus 132. And there sit the Bears at minus 121. The Vikings, by the way, win the NFC North with a minus 19 points scored versus points allowed. And a lot of that had to do with the shellacking they took last weekend in Green Bay. But still... Not good enough defensively, especially against the pass all year. That's why this 12-4 and Vikings team is, is not a team anybody is pointing to as possibly getting to the Super Bowl. The teams that are the best at points differential, the teams that have recorded the best this year, are teams people expect to be there at the end of January and on into February, and that's that's Buffalo at a plus 153, best in the league. San Francisco checks in next at a plus 148. And, yeah, I'm excited to see Mr. Irrelevant make his fifth NFL start this, this weekend. Brock Purdy is going to strut his stuff. Eagles 127. The Chiefs are, are 109. Dallas is also up there. And there are some who think Dallas remains dangerous in the postseason. I am not among them. Geno Smith of the Seahawks this year. 
led the NFL. He is leading the NFL with 60 minutes to go in completion percentage of 60.2. The comeback player of the year has some other numbers that are staggering. 4,069 yards. This is a guy who was was traveling around the league holding a clipboard and wearing a baseball cap for six of his nine NFL seasons. He only got a chance to start briefly in his tenure with the Jets, and it didn't go well as often as it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go well for first-year players. And then you get him in Seattle this year, and he's got DK Metcalf. He has a decent running game is Kenneth Walker from Michigan state developed nicely in his rookie season. So he had help fields didn't have, but fields completed less than 61% of his passes for his 2,200 yards. If you were to take Geno Smith's numbers this year and put them against the best seasons in bears history by a quarterback, Smith would be the winner. Smith would be standing on the gold medal podium, he's rated 102.9, 29 touchdown passes, nine interceptions only. Those numbers are better than Eric Kramer's were with the Bears in 85 when he set a franchise record for passing yards. Jay Cutler is, is, is in their top five several times from his nine years in a Bears uniform. But when it comes down to winning games because of Geno Smith has answered that this year. It's one of the biggest stories in the season this year. He is not as exciting as a lot of guys. He doesn't run particularly well, but he doesn't have to. And he preserves his body. And if the Seahawks get to the playoffs, if they finish the Rams this weekend, and the Rams would finish with a 5-12 and record, by far the worst winning percentage of any team on the heels of its Super Bowl championship. Happy birthday to Virginia McCaskey. She is 100 years old today. It is uncool to say bad things about older people, especially older ladies. She is perceived to be such a sweetheart, and I've never spent any time around the matriarch of the Bears. I've heard good things from those who have. Doesn't excuse the years of poorly managed football. She's made some terrible decisions. She's been disloyal to, or I'm sorry, she's been loyal to people who otherwise didn't deserve it. And some things she may have learned from her father likely did that she hasn't unlearned. Um, It's a decent list. It's a lengthy list, but happy birthday, Jenny. Anybody who lives to be that long deserves a doff of the chapeau. 80. 80. If I see 80, are you kidding me? I'd be delighted by that. There's another birthday in uh, the football world I'll get to as I, I close the podcast today. Kayvon Thibodeau of the Giants has zero remorse for his celebration after he hurt Nick Foles. Uh, busted up his rib, rib cage pretty good in the Giants' 38-10 to win over Indianapolis this week. Thibodeau's a first-year player, yet he has played like a veteran this year. He's a very good football player, and he's an angry dude. I'll get to that in a second. But he lies down next, uh, right next to Nick Foles and does snow angels, and then he does the rock-a-baby-to-sleep mechanic on the sideline. What 
pissed off Jeff Saturday so much was that he did that because he thought it lacked class. He termed it horse shit. That's a word that needs to be used more in our daily conversations. Doesn't it? Horse shit. I'm fond of that word. Don't know why I am. Uh, He also said he was pissed at Colts players for not reacting and not doing something about the celebration right next to Foles. And it would have been pretty difficult for Thibodeau not to recognize Foles was hurt lying down next to him. And when told about Saturday's comments, Thibodeau said this yesterday. I don't know who the guy is. Anybody who comments on things who I don't know, I don't know who they are. I really don't care. It doesn't affect me. Well, he knows who Jeff Saturday is. And if he didn't, that was a big debate in New York on the sports yak this week. If he didn't, that's that's disrespectful to to the game. I think it is. But what he did with the celebration over an injury is not defensible for me. Although, let me defend it. Something Thibodeau said I agree with on the Giants when they took him. They brought me here to be a savage, to impact the game to affect the quarterback. There are guys who play pro football who are not nice people. There are guys who do things that otherwise would get them arrested when they work every day. Some of the stuff that goes on at NFL training facilities, I and people get all excited when they see a coach and a quarterback screaming at each other on the sidelines. Well, can they coexist? Cliff Kingsbury and Tyler, Kyler Murray don't like each other. How will that ever work? That's commonplace. And... It is typical of of every team in the league to have sons of bitches in that locker room who don't give an F about anybody. Like Kevin Pollack's character, Todd Hockney, in The Usual Suspects. Uh, And by the way, Murray, side note on that before I forget it, probably isn't going to be ready to start camp when camp opens late next July for the Cardinals. That's according to head coach Double K, Cliff Kingsbury. Whether he's a part of it, I I, I don't know. I don't know how you bring him back after Arizona's dreadful year. There will be other teams looking for head coaches this offseason. The Broncos are not going to hire their interim dude. 67-year-old, was it Jerry Rossberg? Is that who's manning the helm? Since the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know if the GM, George Payton, is going to survive Denver. That that could be a complete overhaul. That could be what the Bears did last year. Firing head coach, GM, hiring Eberflus slash Poles. The Washington Commanders likely will be looking for a new head coach as well. Several people asked me this week, how are you going to defend your boy, Ron Rivera? And what he said after their loss to the looking forward to the offseason Cleveland Browns at home, how are you going to defend him? He didn't know the implications of a loss. He admitted that after the game, I don't, I didn't know that we could, how can you not know, Ron? I, I can't defend him. I'd like to, but I can't. Some have suggested maybe he's trying to get fired just to get out of there. No, wait, he's not going to get fired. He's not going to embarrass himself and get fired because he didn't know the implications of a late-in-the-season loss. That doesn't go- look good going into your next job opportunity. 
No freaking way. Rivera is trying to get fired. I, I know him. He's going to want to continue coaching. He's 60 plus now. How much longer he wants to do it? I don't know, but I, I don't. I don't think it will be after Daniel Snyder kicks him to the curb, which is likely to happen Monday. Will the Carolina Panthers extend Steve Wilkes? Will they make Steve Wilkes their next head coach? He he shot some adrenaline into that organization after they found out their quarterback wasn't going to work. Baker Mayfield benched, then sent to Los Angeles to be the Rams' messiah, or at least get them through the season with Stafford all banged up. They traded their best player to San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey. So they're in a tank here, and they wound up in Week 17 having a chance to win the division. They didn't, but after that September and in the weeks that followed as they were trying to find their footing, Carolina has had a reasonably successful back end of the season. So if you want to give Steve Wilkes that job, I have no complaints. I don't think he ever got his chance fairly in Arizona. He was there one year, which seems to be more common in the NFL. But it's not going to be a reason the Raiders can part with Josh McDaniels. They're already on the hook for a lot of money with John Gruden. You're going to hire McDaniels and whack him after one year? You can't keep doing that. Coaches are making too much money now for a team to do that. And you do it once. You don't do it twice. And it was unavoidable with Gruden. It wasn't on them. But you're not going to turn around the following. They screwed up not hiring Rich Piasaccia, their special teams coach who took over last year and got them to a playoffs. They lost in Cincinnati in the wild card round. The Colts likely will not retain Saturday. Jim Harbaugh seems to be the flavor of the week in Indianapolis as their next head coach. Todd Bowles in Tampa, is he safe? The Buccaneers this year were expected to be at least a real good defensive team, and that has waffled from time to time. They've had injuries both sides, but every team does. You can't use injuries as an excuse if your quarterback is on his feet for all 17 games, and Brady has been on his feet. So you you can't, you, you can't, <laughs> let me move on. Other games of note this weekend. The Chiefs are big favorites against the Raiders. Nine and a half point favorites. The Chiefs very quiet this week. All is quiet in Chiefs camp, even though they were less than impressive last weekend. They didn't have to be. They didn't have to cover that big number. It wasn't essential for them to beat the crap out of the Broncos. And they didn't, much to my chagrin, because I keyed Kansas City last week. If you heard Monday's pod, you know that. The Titans and Jaguars will decide the AFC South this weekend. And Derrick Henry, they they rested him last week, and they lost their sixth straight. That's tough to say. Sixth straight as a result of it. He's going to go this week. He just turned 29 Wednesday of this week. He's going to play title on the line. And that's going to be fun to see the real heavy underdogs. Six point favorites at home against the Tennessee Titans. That should be fun Saturday night. 
I'm going to watch. It's the NFL. Sunday, the Browns and Steelers will get it on. The Steelers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. They need the win to stay alive, but they also need favors from two other clubs. I, I don't know if they'll get that, but whether they do or don't, Mike Tomlin has done an amazing job this year with the Steelers. They looked terrible at the beginning of the year, and they've looked terrible from time to time. They're not a very potent offense. They don't have answers at the wide receiver position. That That's a team that is is worth applauding for the effort it gave this year. The Bengals are seven-point favorites at home in Cincy against the Ravens. I have all the faith in the world to in the Ravens to to lose early in the postseason, and they're going to get there. They're there. Total in that game, 41.5. I don't know how much the Bengals intend to play their best players, but it looks to me like that over is easy money at 41 and a half. And I know the Ravens do not score much, especially with Tyler Hundley versus Lamar Jackson. Buccaneers will finish the season against the Falcons in Atlanta. Atlanta's a five-point favorite. Mention the Texans and Colts already. The total, I, I think it's the lowest on the board, 38 points only. And uh, no Nick Foles this week. There's some quarterbacks playing this week that you you need to find out who's quarterbacking these teams before you punch in your play on your Bet Rivers app because there's guys quarterbacking this weekend you've never heard of, including the commander starter Sam Howell. Sam Howell is going to earn an NFL check this weekend. Commanders are at home against the Cowboys, who likely will get Tony Pollard back in the lineup. He's been practicing this week. So we'll uh, we'll see how well Sam Howell does against the Cowboys defense that's pretty nasty. The Eagles are 14-point favorites at home against the Giants. That doesn't show much respect, betters. Eagles, Eagles have not done all that great with big numbers this year. And Jalen Hurts has has not been has not been right. He's not been available to them. The 49ers. I, I look forward to seeing Brock Purdy play. They've got the Cardinals this weekend. San Francisco, a huge favorite, 14 point favorites. Debo Samuel is trending better health wise with several injuries, an ankle and a knee. I, I don't know why they would risk him if he's not ready to go because you got Brock Purdy. You've got the 22-year-old who in four NFL starts is unbeaten. He's 4-0 with a rating that is among the best in the league. Purdy has posted a 101.4. Now, he doesn't have enough throws to qualify to win the award for the, if they give an award uh, for that. Just who finishes first, I guess. Mr. Irrelevant also has thrown two touchdown passes or more in every game he's played this year. Every game he's started. So the 49ers, a threat in the NFC. I think my pick right now to represent the NFC would have to be San Francisco. Even with Hertz healthy, the Eagles haven't been good defensively. And Lane Johnson, the tackle, missing still, not anywhere near 100%. He won't be for the rest of the year. Could get him exposed against the best pass rushers in the league. The Bills go back to work 
Sunday is seven-point favorites over the Patriots. That game is in Buffalo, Tatanka. Dolphins hosting the Jets. The Jets going on the road as a one-point favorite. How does that happen against a team that's been pretty good most of the year? Well, they don't have Tua, and they likely won't have Teddy Bridgewater either. Did you see who signed yesterday with the Miami Dolphins? Mike Glennon is going to get to wear another NFL uniform. He's back home in Florida. Good for Mike Glennon. I wouldn't touch either team in that game. Jets one-point favorites, Panthers and Saints. NFC South matchup, New Orleans hosting the game, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Seahawks later in the day, six-and-a-half-point favorites in the house of the 12th man against the Rams. Bobby Wagner, the former Seahawk, has been very chirpy this week about how much this game means to him and how much he'd love to stick it up the Seahawks giggy. I, I don't think he left with the same contempt others left the organization. It seemed like they were the NFL's version of the Chicago White Sox. Everybody has to be kicking and screaming on his way out the door. That's what it was like a little bit when Russell Wilson was traded. Finally, a lot of guys started talking publicly about how Russell was not a team guy. And a lot of stuff that came out over that. I believe that's uh, that's a wrap on these games, right? No, we got Chargers, Broncos, Broncos two and a half point favorite at home. Broncos is a favorite. No, thanks. I don't care who's playing for the Chargers. I won't do it with Denver as a favorite. They put two more players on IR this week. 22 Broncos on the season have been on the IR, 11 of them starters. And then the night game, to wrap it up, Lions at Packers. Boy, the life of a Lions fan is not a fun one. Uh, one of my buds, uh, a fond acquaintance, Len Casper, the voice of the White Sox on the radio, former Cubs announcer, is a Detroit native, and he smelled this thing coming five weeks ago. The Lions would go cold. They'd lose a game they weren't supposed to lose. That happened. It was in Carolina in week 16. I'm sorry, week, yeah, it was in Carolina. That's right, week 16. They lose to the Packers, which I expect them to do. Green Green Bay is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite at Bet Rivers. Um, And Seattle wins. (laughs) Lions don't get to go bowling. Still a great year for Dan Campbell. Still a fine finish after a sleepy one-and-six start. I want to go back to uh, the coverage of the DeMar Hamlin injury, heart attack, subsequent uncertainty on Monday night, and also talk a little bit about Dan Orlovsky, the always colorful ESPN employee who during a show Tuesday afternoon closed his eyes and bowed his head and prayed. I want to talk about that and the reaction I got on uh, Twitter about that in just a second. But my thoughts on the way the NFL handled it, I I had no real issues. I understand more than the average fan what goes into putting on an NFL game and the idea of that's a reality of it. Everybody was concerned. Of course they were. Nobody wants to see a player get hurt or in that case almost lose his life. And if it weren't for very skilled first responders, Damar Hamlin might not be here today. Maybe he doesn't survive. They they did a wonderful job from all accounts. Uh it got no problem with the NFL doing its due diligence and discussing 
scenarios, that game, you might not like it. You might, it might be insensitive to you to hear it. And that's what I heard from a ton of people. A lot of ex jocks flexing their, their social media muscles Monday night and on into Tuesday and probably still today, but I shut it out after a little while. I thought Susie Colbert did a really nice job on ESPN, just buying some time for the league to make a decision. It took almost an hour before they finally decided they would suspend the game. And a strong suspicion is you don't want to make that announcement right away because the ambulance in which DeMar Hamlin was being worked on had not left the parking lot. You're going to say as soon as you know, hey, game's over. Everybody everybody go home. And then, then you can't get emergency. Is that a stretch on my part? Maybe it is. But I got no problem with the league taking its sweet-ass time and ultimately doing what we all knew they were going to do. They were going to suspend it based on the look of the players on the field, based on the faces of Josh Allen and others. It obviously was very serious. It was unprecedented, at least in this era, unprecedented. Chuck Hughes of Detroit died on the field in the 60s or 70s with of a heart attack. I don't think anybody knew at the time he had passed away, but uh, that game went on. And I'm not saying they should have gone on. I'm saying it's okay to take your time before you you tell people we're not going to we're not going to continue tonight. And Susie Colbert didn't get a lot of help early on from Booger McFarland, who said he was speechless. He's a former NFL player who obviously feels that sting more than us commoners who haven't played in the NFL. That said, you're a broadcaster. Broadcast. You're not paid to be speechless. Uh, Susie was doing the best she can. And uh, Adam Schefter was there to provide his always uplifting look at the world. Um, But on Tuesday, Dan Orlovsky goes on ESPN and prays publicly for DeMar Hamlin. Now, I had no problem with it. I I don't think it's the kind of thing you do regularly. At least I would be uncomfortable with it. I'm not really a man of prayer. I kind of not feeling good about admitting this, but I use God on a an emergency basis. I don't think I'm alone. Orlovsky stuck to his convictions. I I will not suggest he was grandstanding because I don't know Dan Orlovsky. No idea if that's how he operates. There are a lot of other people I suspect are being fake good guys. And anytime somebody passes away or is hurt seriously, you see a ton of support for that person within his or her fraternity. And it's often just to be accept. Oh, look what he said about uh, Tom Petty or look what, look what this person said about Barbara Walters. So nice to pay tribute to him. They do it for their own benefit. I've seen it. I had to fake one time in my life being upset over something that happened in sports. It wasn't like I I didn't react to it emotionally when Dale Earnhardt Sr. crashed at Daytona in 01. We learned about his death at ESPN in Bristol 10 minutes before showtime. I was doing one of the evening shows, game night, auditioning for ESPN, trying to prove to them I'm not nuts. And I think I succeeded, at least temporarily. So um, everybody at ESPN on Bristol U's campus was, there was a cast of Paul in the studio. 
unless these men and women were acting, Earnhardt's death really affected a lot of people. And I felt the need as I'm vying for a gig that I absolutely had to secure with a family and a mortgage and kids who weren't even in high school at the time, lots of bills to be paid down the road. I had to go along. I had to not necessarily feign sorrow, but put on the ominous, serious tone. We just learned 10 minutes ago, Dale Earnhardt. So I've been there and it's, it's not a fun place to be. Celebrity deaths don't often affect me. I've lost too many family members and friends to be affected by it. But now and again, when you're a fan of somebody's, it stings a little bit. I didn't know DeMar Hamlin before Monday night. Uh, What I learned about him since is seems like an incredible 24-year-old young man. He could have gone anywhere in the country to play college football. He was recruited by Notre Dame, Ohio State. Every school in the country that can vie for a national championship wanted him. He stayed home. He went to Pitt. He developed a toy drive fundraiser this year, which now has exceeded $7 million based on America's generosity, including that of Patriots owner Bob Kraft. Seems like a great young man. I I wish for the best for him. So I put a Twitter poll out yesterday, and I asked people how they felt about, because I like to check the temperature of, of my, my listeners, people who love to watch or listen to sports television, sports talk radio. I want to know what you're thinking. I have for 35 years been curious, what's the feeling in the court of public opinion? So I put, I put four potential answers, including the proverbial other, and I hate only having four options, and I probably could have worded this better because you can you can say you loved it, but does that necessarily mean you want more of it? And that's how I phrased it. Loved it, comma, more of this. I'm indifferent. Almost half of the people who voted said they were indifferent about it. said, I hated it. Keep it private. A lot of people who responded in the other category also commented on not being a believer and feeling that ESPN never should have allowed it. I don't know if he cleared it with him. I haven't seen any follow-up on that. My apologies since I chose to talk about this as one of the little segments today on this show. I believe it was improv I believe, I want to believe he meant it. This is a colorful broadcaster, by the way, Dan Orlovsky. If you've not seen him work, you will find him to be a little bit different than the rest of the pack. He is, uh, he's unique. Are there degrees of unique in your world? I believe there are. I think it's okay to have a degree of unique than what makes it unique. All right. Uh, enough of that. I, uh, I saw people, as you did probably, you had vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. That that happened after the game. A lot of the feigned sorrow, a lot of people telling others, playing God. RG3 was the first I saw of it because I was looking for Hamlin updates. I don't remember ever uh, refreshing my Twitter account, refreshing my phone as often as I did Monday night hoping to get answers late into the evening. Found nothing but people telling people how to live. 
and how to behave. Quit posting those videos, said RG3, of of his collapse. It was news. When a player gets hurt, it's news. Leave it up to the consumer, whether he or she wants to consume. Issue the disclaimer. This may be upsetting. This is very graphic. That's all we need to know. Give me the news. Don't tell me what is the news and what isn't. The NFL is a multi-billion dollar corporation. There are The reason for that is there are millions of people who crave the product. When a player gets hurt and the reaction is what it was on the field, my feeling is, of course it's my feeling, I'm the one talking, you show it. I am not going to tell you what is or is. It's part of the game. You don't have to watch LT, uh, you know, break Joe Theismann's leg in two, a compound fracture. You don't have to watch any of that. You have the right as a consumer to choose what you what you want to watch, who you want to read. Uh, Skip Bayless worked his way into the fray, even though he was he wasn't taken out of context, but what he added near the end never got mentioned. And he did talk about wishing the best for DeMar Hamlin. For those who just thought he was only interested in resuming the game because of all of the playoff implications. And Skip has made a nice living having opinions like that. Does it make it right? I I don't know. I, I didn't find what he said to be something different than what a lot of us were thinking. When will they resume the game? it's hard to put on an NFL game. There are thousands of people who have to work those games, thousands. And there's a ton of work to do when teams have to stay an additional day. And that's what I suspected originally. I thought they would wind up playing the game on Wednesday and then maybe giving both teams one additional day off before they played their week 18 game. But it was social media at its worst. And some over-the-air media, bad, just bad. People don't uh, don't often rise to the occasion when the human condition is involved. My last thought today is on our second NFL birthday today. Happy birthday to Virginia McCaskey. She's 100. Hall of Fame center Jim Otto, double zero, is 85 today. He was one of the greatest centers in the game's history. Went to the University of Miami. He was a hurricane, even though he grew up in Wausau, Wisconsin. I don't know how the Badgers let him get away. I know if Sam Elliott were coaching the Badgers, that would have never happened. He was legendary because of his grit and his ability to play in pain. This dude played in 210 consecutive NFL games as a center. That is impressive. I interviewed Jim Otto 23-ish years ago. I was working with Dan Jiggets. Jiggets and I started doing scores. The scores mutated after noon shift, 4 to 8 p.m. in August of 99. And we did that until I resigned in October of the following year, 2000. 
Jim Otto was one of our guests, and we were talking about his his knee surgeries, 28 of them, to be specific. Several times, infection sets in, and they have to postpone the surgery. What, he once went six months without having a knee joint because it took that long for the infection to quell so they could do a replacement. According to Wikipedia, he's had 74 surgical procedures. So we're we're interviewing him, and I want to get the old Raider tough guy out of him. I want Jim Otto to wear that white neck collar and tell people how soft today's players are. He had no problem doing that. Almost as entertainingly as Chuck Bednarik would be years later on ESPN Radio when Baby Capone, Adam Delavitt, our boss here at Bet Rivers was was executively producing my show. So I asked Otto, I said, so what do you think of these guys today who who twist the knee and uh, just go to the sideline and they, they wind up playing the following week, but they didn't finish the game, especially offensive and defensive linemen. You got to play in pain if running isn't, you know, a part, a requisite part of doing your job. Otto laughed and he said, halfway through my career, I didn't even have any ACLUs. He meant ACL, anterior cruciate ligament, and he chose the American Civil Liberties Union. I didn't even have any ACLUs at the end of my career. God bless Jim Otto celebrating birthday number 85 today. He got the yellow jacket in Canton in his first year of eligibility. I want to thank Sam Michael, who produces the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Back Monday for a Week 18 wrap-up. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Be safe. Be smart. Be kind to each other. I'm Danny Mack, and I'm Tail Lights. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.